Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. The deposit of faith placed into our lives through the help of those who love us to our core is priceless. We were children of older parents. Dad was 40, mom was 35, and they got married, and then they had seven kids. You know, life on the farm was busy with dairy farmers. Very little time for extracurricular activities in the early years, growing up, developing into young adults. But from the earliest memory on, I can remember slouching against a chair, be it a wooden chair or a soft chair or a sofa, saying the rosary after supper. That's something we religiously did every day of the year all year long for all of our years through graduation. I do remember when we were juniors, there was a, uh, a young fellow that came out wanted to run with us at night. We typically would run after we had supper and rosary, We'd go out run around the section, and he wanted to come out and practice with us. And a little awkward with us because now we have to share faith or say, well, just wait, you know, about 15 or 20 minutes because we're praying in the house. We could have invited him in, but, you know, being farm kids and kind of isolated, we're awkward. So we didn't get that far, but he waited for us, and then we went out and, and ran with him. You know, there wasn't a holy day of obligation that we didn't attend or a Sunday mass that we didn't attend. You know, that just instilled that sense of discipline and, and focus as we got older. It, like anything, and if you stay focused, if you stay disciplined with it, there's joys to reap from that. And I look at my faith and, you know, those early days saying the rosary with mom and dad and the other kids in our family is, is part of that religious tradition that, that kept us focused and kept us glued to, you know, what, what was important in life at, at that time and certainly now. Uh, I grew up Lutheran. Our pastor uh, would have super long homilies. Uh, they just called them sermons. I'm the middle of three, and my little brother and I would probably mess around a little bit too much in church during the long sermons. I always remember my dad looking over and snapping his fingers. And that was his way of, if you don't calm down, we're going outside and you're not going to like the results of this conversation. Uh, we moved when I was in third grade. We we went to another Lutheran church and I always remember getting really involved in the youth group. We did lots of camps, Bible camps and Bible studies, things like that. So that's kind of where my faith grew. My mom was probably the stronger of the faith. She made sure we got to, to church. She made sure all of our things were done. She signed us for all the Bible camps. And when I got into high school, I got very involved in FCA. I didn't become Catholic until 21 when Julie and I got married. And I'll never forget the conversation I had with my parents. Sat down at dinner. I said, Mom, Dad, I decided to become Catholic. So I'm going to become Catholic and I'm looking forward to it. That I always thought you wanted us just to be Christian as Christ is our Lord and Savior. And I said, I'm just going to practice now as a Catholic instead of a Lutheran. Kind of the history of where I've got my faith. And it's grown a lot, obviously, since we've gotten married. But that's where it all began is having the fear of God set into me by my dad if we didn't pay attention. I was the youngest of seven. We lived about two and a half blocks from the Catholic church, you know, altar boy from second grade all the way through my senior year because we had an older pastor and he gave 45 minute homilies using a blackboard. So as a server, you know, when it was time for the homily to start, you go get a stepladder, had some hooks on it. You bring out a piece of slate and he'd have a piece of chalk at the pulpit and he would, he would lecture and, and homilize for at least 40 minutes, most of the time, 45, 50 minutes. 
he knew a lot. He was a really good priest. And he just learned to kind of appreciate it after a while. There's a couple of times he caught us falling asleep as altar boys, but he'd call you out and tell you to pay attention. But my parents were pretty, pretty uh, strong Catholics and rosaries were at breakfast and I didn't grow up on a farm. The aunts and uncles all had farms. So the boys in our family went and helped the uncles on their farms during the summer. So I'd spend my summer of my sixth, seventh and eighth grade helping my uncle farm and Every vehicle, every tractor he had, every combine, his trucks, every one of you get in his truck or tractor or combine in the ashtray, there wouldn't be a cigarette butts, there'd be a rosary. He would tell you, you know, if you're bored, shut the radio off and say the rosary. And he'd ask you in the evening, how many did you get done? And it established a strong, you know, they really impressed upon us kids how, how important that was. And every room in our house, I remember growing up, every room had a crucifix. His mom would find a way to work one into every room. You know, she still asks, you got a crucifix in all your rooms in your house? At 90 years old and in a nursing home, when the great-grandkids, she has 42 great-grandkids, I think it is. The one came in just last, one of them came in last week, going to make his first communion. First thing she asked, well, saying our father. <laughs> the little guy was scared to death. He, he got through it, but I could tell he was sweating bullets. They really did a good job with us in the, showing how important it was to have our faith and to and the community. They really emphasized community. We grew up on a beef and dairy, and there were a bunch of us kids. There was actually two families on the same farm. Two brothers didn't drive very far to meet two sisters, and they got married. So all of us kids, we called it the first batch of natural family planning where they needed labor, so they would take turns as to who was going to have the kid the next year. There were nine of us total between the two families. We could be disciplined by either set of parents, so... Uh, spankings were earned, spankings were given. <clears throat> we were very lucky where we had K through eighth grade, we had Benedictine nuns in a small town setting where we had class sizes of about 25. And so we went to daily mass five days a week. You'd have mass right before you'd go to lunch. You had the opportunity for confession every Thursday, but you went to confession really fast because uh, that interrupted your recess hour. So we started instilling our faith life at a young age, I would say, from our parents. How did they influence my faith? My mom was probably and still is probably the stronger of the two if they were to take a written exam on Catholicism. We never missed a holy day of obligation. She, Even in, when we were in college, she would call us to remind us that it was a holy day of obligation. And did we remember? My mom was very big on keeping was no meat every Friday of the year, not just in Lent. And then we didn't say a rosary every night, but we would say rosaries nightly during Lent. As a young child, you you resent and you respect kind of at the same time as the mud's being thrown on the wall and some of it actually sticks. We got a little bit older, got out of the eighth grade. There was We went to a public high school and some of us got enrolled in search because some of us were starting to walk away from our faith already and we got involved in the search program. And we started to learn a different level of community in the in the Catholic Church. We were pretty active in the in the search program, probably from our sophomore year in high school until our junior sophomore junior year in in college. How we, in a sense of words, pay that deposit forward to our children and grandchildren is one of the great challenges. It is, as Oswald Chambers wrote, "My utmost for His highest." She does an amazing job of that. And she also says, offer it up. Then you take a deep breath and you offer whatever it is up. And, and, and then the good Lord is taking it instead of us taking it. Yeah. And then it becomes easy. Living by example. When the kids got to school aged, Julie and I made the decision. They went to public school all the way up until O'Gorman. 
but they went to CCD the moment that they could go to CCD. We did our prayers at night. And when our kids began getting involved, and Sonia was the oldest, so she started everything. She started the whole thing. When we would go to soccer or volleyball matches all over wherever we were at, that's the first thing we did when we found it. Where are we going? We're going to Omaha. We're going to Kansas City. We're going to wherever, Minneapolis. We're going to Detroit. All right, what time do we have to be there on Mass on Sundays? And that's that's non-negotiable. We're not missing Mass. So the kids got that instilled in them that that's that is absolutely non-negotiable when mom and dad are around. When we began our sporting travels, if you will, with our kids, it was Sonia and Tabitha first with soccer and volleyball, baseball and basketball and in everything else. And okay, are, are we gonna are we skip a mass this weekend? We got a big tournament. Uh no, we're gonna find a mass, whether it's at seven o'clock at night or it's at five o'clock and it's on a Saturday or it's at seven in the morning. We're we're making mass. And I think that has helped them now. Tabitha and Sonia went off to college. They were really good about making mass. They missed some a little bit and they drifted a little bit, but then they came back because they realized it was just a such an important part of their life and their faith. Dusty, on the other hand, never did. Um, no matter whether he was with Wichita State or when he got drafted and he's up in I, I remember when he went to his his first out-of-town kind of gig, if you will, which is up in the Cape Cod when he played in the Cape Cod League. The good Lord put him with a family, a host family, that lived right across the street from the Catholic Church, literally right across the Catholics uh, from the church in, in Bourne. Um, so he would go to daily masses when he could make it, and it was easy for him to walk across the street. Even when he got into the minor leagues, on Sundays, he would find a mass. He would take a cab. He would. There was an Uber and all that stuff. Or he would find out from one of the coaches if they were going to go to mass, and he would go to mass before the game. That has instilled now with our kids and the grandkids. They don't miss mass. That is by far the coolest part of the faith is just seeing your children live their faith, and now you see that in their kids. I try to live by example. A lot of rosaries together. Best thing you can do for your kids, get them baptized. And that's just an automatic. But you, you'd be surprised how many people don't take that as seriously as they should. And confirmation, the confirmation part was, it wasn't a struggle for us because the kids had a good background. But, you know, it started off with my oldest daughter about a week before confirmation. said, I don't want to get confirmed. And I said, why not? She said, because I don't want to be Catholic. And I said, you don't have a choice. I said, you're going to get confirmed. And I said, someday. You're gonna you're gonna thank me for that, and she she did get confirmed. But you know that that reward I'm still waiting for. She's 35 now, so I I, I really think she'll come back to the faith. She still believes in Jesus, but for some reason she's uh, just hasn't seen the need to to go to church, which is kind of a tough to swallow. But it's one of the things as a parent you keep working on, keep praying that that'll get better. And I had the you know we did the same thing with with making sure we can make it to mass on uh, camping weekends and vacations, but. You know, my kids were high school age and in their 20s when my uh, 10 years ago when my brother was diagnosed. And he was he did a pretty good job of reinstituting to them what what it means to be Catholic. He really did. He just he basically said with a terminal diagnosis, you know, God's plan and you've only got whatever time you're given left. And he says, I know what's going to happen to me. You guys don't know what's going to happen to you. He said, you might be gone before me. And I really hit home with the kids. It really brought them back, you know. The Lord works in mysterious ways, and sometimes it's tragedy that brings you back or makes you think about what needs to happen. But I also had a sister of cerebral palsy, and the kids really looked upon her as 
And they asked a lot of questions. Why would God let something like that happen? It made them think a little deeper. And I still, to this day, she's gone now, but she was a great example for us to show how to suffer and, and show others what it's like not to have everything. So with a little help here and there, we got it through, but the kids are, you know, they're young adults now and I see them. It's really rewarding to see them practicing the ones that do. Sharing faith with our kids. We started pretty simple. We're very consistent, very persistent. So the little things, the little blocking and tackling things like praying before meals. Every night we'd all kneel down and and we'd say the same prayers in the same order and we'd give the kids an opportunity to to state their intentions as to what we were praying for that night. Similar, they used to complain when when they'd roll their eyes when we'd have to pull the rosary out because we were going farther than the 15-minute drive. We're going to be praying the rosary. But now we hand the rosary back and from the back seat, one of the kids can lead. Uh, understand that it, that it's more than just reading and, and memorization, but it's walking the faith. So get involved in your community, get involved in your church, and help others. If you want to find true joy, find true religion, find true community, uh, that's the fastest way of doing it. We were pretty hard on the kids uh, when they went off to college saying, hey, I want you to focus on, we want your mind, body, and spirit to be healthy so that you're doing intentional things to stay healthy with your mind, body, and your spirit. We were probably those parents that didn't allow our kids to date until they were 16 and older. And uh, even to this day, we encourage our kids be very intentional with how you date. But what we've said is it's super important that you guys share the same outlook towards Christianity. And it sure makes it a whole lot easier if you're both Catholic, because there'll be plenty of other places for you guys to argue. Uh, if you guys do take the next step and, and enter into marriage. So I would say starting with the small things, showing the kids, walking with the kids, trying to be a good example whenever we could. And if something was inappropriate, even the small things like if it's inappropriate on TV or if it's inappropriate music, in order to be consistent and persistent, it was uh, not in our house. I like to think that my kids never miss church, but I'm also a realist. I know that they're both college age they're and, um, we're reaching out to them saying, hey, guess what? This is a holy day of obligation, just like my mom used to do. Only we can do it with a text instead of having to leave them a message on their phone answering machine. So we raised them much like both Becky and I were raised. We're both cradle Catholics. We made it a real strong point of, of every week, Sunday Mass. So I asked the kids, how did your faith formation, how did I influence it? So I'm just going to read a couple of things that Brendan had said. Brendan was more the outdoorsman of the two boys that I have. Connor likes it, but not to the extent that Brendan does. And so he, I was always toting him from one deer stand to another, and it might be 15 or 20 miles, or might even be an hour someplace if we had a friend that had a place to hunt. And he was usually chattering, and if it got quiet, you know, I would ask him, well, you want to say the rosary? So his comments are, are saying the rosary in the car, even when I didn't want to, even when you didn't make me say it with you, even when I pretended to be asleep, you still said it aloud. On our fishing and hunting adventures, you always made it a priority to go to church. I remember hoping you'd forget so we could hunt more, fish more, but you always made it a priority, no questions asked. So now when I'm adventuring, it's a priority for me, no questions asked. And your advice that you always gave me is the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. So you always encouraged me to take my biggest problems to the Lord. Katie was the same way, attending church on Sunday, getting the priests involved with our family. Typically, when we would go to daily mass during the summertime, we'd invite Father Morgan or Father Venner to go to Burger King with us. So then the kids got to develop 
a different relationship with the priest as opposed to somebody on the altar preaching, saying the mass, but not really connecting um, emotionally with the kids in this way. So it's, it's staying the course probably as much as anything is not wavering. You know, the first priority when we came into a small town was to find out what time ch church was in, in the next day. And to this day, you see the fruits of that come forth. And, and I know it's because that we made that a priority that our kids make it a priority too. You know, the, the week doesn't feel like it's starting right without starting with a Sunday Mass. The Irish like to say more than two things, but here are two. A good start is half the work, and there is no prosperity without discipline. Now, maybe the stories of God's working with fathers, mothers, and children cannot be precisely written as if there were some perfect set of ABCs to follow. Maybe the stories must just be told as they are, and we are to learn from them as such, taking all that we can and will to better our own future stories. And some, like these, are best understood in the words of Norman MacLean, all good things, as well as eternal salvation, come by grace, and grace comes by art, and art does not come easy. Ain't it so? This is Gettin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.